welcome to another episode. This is the third episode we re- we, uh, we record in Esteli uh, of the Cigar Snob Podcast. I'm Nicky Menez. I'm here with Eric Calvino. What's happening? And we are joined by repeat offender podcast guest, Fred Vandermeulier. And this is now also the second podcast episode in which I correctly and flawlessly pronounce his last name. You should pay yourself. Very on the proud back. of myself. Yeah. Congratulations. It's a very exciting time <laughs> to be alive. Um, so thank you for not joining us, for letting us join you and With letting pleasure. us set up all of this hilarious uh, makeshift studio stuff. Yeah. On the terrace of what are we calling this building? This Casa Oliva. Casa, Casa Oliva. Oliva. Correct, so, man. So, what is Casa Oliva for the the uninitiated? So, it, uh, for the initiated, first of all, I mean, the if you would see where we sit, you know, it's not so sexy, but we're sitting on an on an empty terrace here. I mean, uh, with three chairs that we grabbed from downstairs. So we still have some work to make from Casa Oliva, the real Casa Oliva that I wanted to be. Casa Oliva is the the former house here in Esteli of Carlos Oliva. It was uh, the place where he stayed when he came over. And um, when we acquired the company, I mean, and he wanted to do something else and uh, and get out of, uh, of let's say, the, the direct, the Oliva business and the, and the industry. Uh, oh, we said like, yeah, we're surely interested also to uh, to buy maybe your house. And, um, and that's how we ended up using it really as a guest house, first of all, for ourselves. Uh, but also, I mean, if possible, and if the space allows it, because there are only three rooms, uh, to also to have it as a guest house for our dear friends, or uh, I mean, or people who come over and uh, and and want to stay somewhere in a very nice place in Esteli, and it has a very very, I mean, between this house, so there are like two houses that are attached to each other. One is from Gilbert, and Gilbert still comes from time to time, kept the house. This one was Carlos's, and in the middle. You can find a very, very tiny uh, apartment. I mean, uh, call it that way. And uh, that was the place that Gilberto Sr. stayed in. And, uh, and so I remember from the first years, you know, 16, 17, 18, uh, when Gilberto was still here, you know, it was always fantastic to jump in in his little apartment mm-hmm. and, uh, and live really, let's say, the life, I guess, that he lived for many, many years, which was a life of 100% pure tobacco with no extra... Yeah, no extra anything. <laughs> oh he was uh, a, it was a Spartan uh, type of living situation. He did not want any luxuries or, or comforts. It's very very interesting. Uh, having been in the business so long, right? Yeah, yeah. And and doing all the things that he did, never changed them one bit. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> I always and, admired that. Yeah, and again, you knew him from many, many more years than I knew him. And, and, and then seeing seeing that going yeah. in, you know, you had the table, you had the cigar that he ate. <laughs> <laughs> he did, he did. <laughs> and, a, and a television playing in the background. <laughs> and then uh, from time to time having or Maria Jose or some nice girls from the factory coming in to see like how, how was he doing yeah, and everything doing? was fine. So uh, so it was clear that his life was, uh, was the best. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah. One year, uh, I was staying here uh, at Casa Oliva, and and I was walking over. I don't know if to see Gilbert or, or some. And I was walking across, and he yelled from inside the house, Eddie, because <laughs> that's how in Spanish people say Eddie, not, not Eric. And uh, Eddie, and I was like, Whoa, what's going on? And uh, I go inside. He goes, Man, I remember that you used to work on computers and all this other stuff. 
And I was like, yeah, Huberto, what's going on? Can you help me fix my TV? (laughs) (laughs) Really? Amazing. It was was one of those things. Well, I'll I'll give it a shot, man. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. And did you? He did not. (laughs) No. Very embarrassing. (laughs) Indeed. He he was so excited. He had no idea I was here. And he was so excited to see me because he's like, that guy is going to help me. I wasn't able to do anything to help him. It was terrible, but it was embarrassing. <laughs> and he was like, all right, you're just like all the others, you know. <laughs> Eddie the Fixer, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of, I think that may be a, you know, it's a good segue. We had just recorded, and I'm sure, I, I imagine we'll have released that one first, uh, our conversation with Fidel, and we talk about that Founders Corner. Um, and that is now on the rolling floor at the Oliva factory at Tabolisa. Um, so I think an interesting aspect of the, all the changes that have been made at Tabolisa is that idea of like an expansion of, or uh, an evolution of, or whatever we want to call it, of his legacy, right? His life was tobacco, but his legacy is also tobacco. Of course. Uh, so talk a bit about just in the broad strokes of, what was sort of like the guiding idea in all of these decisions that you were making uh, and that the team was making for how to how to expand and execute that expansion? Uh, yeah, well, let's say as a it's a it's a, it's a broad question in a, in a way that for me the expansion came there. And it's like you say, it's an evolution, an expansion. I mean, we made it bigger and we made the the the, uh, the new building, let's say, evaluate, I mean, to something that for us is more future-proof. Mm-hmm. Let's say the, the main, the basic idea was that when you walked around in the, in the factory, I mean, in the beginning, it was a, a beautiful factory, nicely done, beautiful setup, but clearly a factory that was, that grew step by step. And uh, and I think it's very. I mean, uh, I always love to think about the past and not to forget about the past for sure. Um, but I mean, when you saw the factory, it was okay. First, this. I mean, it was like yeah, one building. You see where the rollers are, and then you had a granel, and then okay. I mean, that granel was full because they grew out that granel. So let's add a second granel and let's add a third granel. And the the granels were not even. I mean, next to each other, one was at the right, at the back end right, and then you had another one at the back end left, and then another side. So. It became when you're looking from the outside. It came. It became an illogic uh, mm-hmm. flow, you know. Right. And so when you go through this, and 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 you really, I mean, you want to make good cigars. You want to secure quality of your cigars. Uh, it's very difficult to do that when that flow is maybe not perfect. You know, I mean, how can you make sure that your the flow in your granel? I mean, first cigars put in, first cigars get out. You know, I mean, that you have all these things set up right. How can you do that when that is very disrupted? So, for me, that was one of the main parts when we talked about it. We said, like, yeah, I mean, how can we organize this that it looks better and more logic? And uh, and then when we looked over it and you start like drawing what you want to have, yeah, you imagine like, my God, this is almost a total new factory. And that's two years ago. That was, I mean, 
can you, I mean, we're now end 19, that's in the course of 17, we started that discussion. That was quite soon after we acquired it. And it was not my initial plan, I mean, let's say, to immediately invest uh, that money to, to make it that way. But I felt that for the team here as well, it was something that they would really be very happy of because a lot of frust- day-to-day frustration was there, not because of anything to do with tobacco, with the product, but just with the setup that grew because of the evolution of the company. And, uh, and that's how we started to yeah, get to our perfect, I mean, setup, how it, uh, how it uh, needed to look like. And that's how finally, I mean, after two years, it is what it, uh, what it looks like. And then to have the link to the legacy of, uh, of Gilberto Senior. And for me, Gilberto Senior is, is, of course, the face of the Oliva family, you know. So it's not only about him. It's also about from Jeannie to Gilberto uh, with Jose and Carlos included, of course. So of the Olivas itself, um, a key point clearly was that I wanted to uh, make sure that we don't forget about where we came from and uh, and how can you do that better than keeping uh, the the things that your that my eyes were attached to let's say when i thought about gilberto senior which was when you entered the front door then you had a second door and then in a very small room you had a desk a chair you had gilberto sitting on there and chewing on his cigar and uh, and really i mean talking about uh, the tobaccos, you know, doing a tour in the factory. He was, when I was, uh, when we bought it, acquired it in the, in the beginning, he was my best control of quality that I could have. You know, I mean, when things would not go in a way that he would love it, I'm sure he would never sit there. You know, he, I, I believe so, you know, I mean, that he would really, that the fact that he stayed there was for me a confirmation like, okay, my, the thing that I always said, like nothing will change, blah, blah, that even, that in, indeed nothing was changing and that for him even the home after it was acquired by another family stayed his home. And that's, that was for, from such an importance that, 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 uh, yeah, image of, uh, of him sitting there, that desk that I wanted to have that somewhere in the factory. Yeah. Uh, Eric, talk a little bit about that, like because you had been through the factory not only a number of times, but having had a relationship with the Olivas, and I'm, you know, you're far more familiar than I am with their ethos and their approach to cigar making and all that. What was that experience of doing that walkthrough like for you on that level? No, that's funny that that you asked that. It it, it was an entirely new. Once you well from from the outside, you can tell it was new, but once you stepped in. I didn't feel like I was back in Oliva, no, right? Okay. It looked like I was in a new uh, building that was producing Oliva. Uh, it, I mean, the entire flow of the building changes. Uh, and so, and obviously everything back then, uh, from the first time I visited uh, 13 years ago to, you know, to up until this, this transformation, uh, it was it was a, a factory that, like Fred said, felt like it had been cobbled together as the company grew, and it, it very much you felt that you you didn't have the big rolling floor, right? There were a collection of small rolling floors and one off to the side, and and so uh, and, and by the way, you were mentioning granels, and you're talking about the where they store tobacco, where they where they uh, bodegas is what we call them in Spanish. Um, and yeah, they were all over the place and you wondered, how did, how does this work, right? How does this workflow function? How are these excellent cigars being made out of here with these limitations? 
And I, and I think that where where that manifested itself was in back orders. It didn't, which which is a credit to to the way that the cigars are. They never changed the quality of the cigar. They just said, you know, we're just going to have to make them slower, <laughs> right? No, no, no. And so, and and I, and I think it was a wise choice. Uh, and so, for me, it was it wasn't that great to walk through the front part of it because it didn't feel like Oliva. But then, when when I got to that, because we went around the side, and then you you know that the rolling floor opens up wide and long, and then it it hits you like, oh crap! All these people who were all in these other small rooms are now all in this one big room. And, and so that was an impressive moment. And then I get goosebumps talking about it because when I turned to the right and then I saw that wall with the image and the desk and the flowers. Uh, and, and, and like Fidel said in the previous episode, it wasn't meant to be a throne or, or anything like that, like it was a saint or anything. It, it was meant to be like he's still here. And the desk communicates that, right? The desk and the chair, uh, his desk and chair are... Are there and it feels like he's still there with you, uh, and so to see all the pictures of of, of you guys and you guys uh, sharing moments together, uh, that was that was beautiful and and it touched me uh, tremendously. So I I can't tell you how happy I was after that moment. Right in the beginning, I was kind of underwhelmed by the because it was offices, right? I mean, offices are never going <laughs> to excite anyone. I know for sure. And 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 they had just been finished. So the offices were empty. There was there like was an hour before the opening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there wasn't much there to see. But like I said, once you once I turned out into that open floor, and then to see the way that the workflow now goes through, uh, I couldn't help but but think of Jose, right? Because those are the things that he wanted to accomplish, and he was, you know, that that was always his mission to improve the workflow of that of that building and and to make it look right and. And uh, and so to see it come to reality for me was was I have to be honest a little emotional. Yeah. So yeah, just impressive what was done there. Uh, thank you. Uh, talk a bit about you know sometimes when we talk about uh, facilities and sensors and uh, uh, you know workflows, it's difficult to communicate to the consumer or the smoker who's listening to this podcast what impact that'll have on their experience of the brand talk a bit about that like if you were in this well maybe you wouldn't be talking to a consumer with headphones and microphones but, uh, <laughs> but you, you know, look beautiful by the thank way you, yeah. very much. Uh, you know you're if if you're right. joe Schmo is asking like, right, what do i care but there is an impact what is that impact no well? it is i mean and i think we can we don't have to stress too much on it because at the end of the day you know i mean it's the tobacco and 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 the 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 roller that makes the cigar and that makes finally what you want to enjoy you know i mean and and i love to talk tobacco and i love to talk uh, everything about your cigar but i have to say that i'm also yeah what does it make better for me there are different steps in the process i mean to make a good cigar, it of course starts from the seed and from the seedbed on the moment you grow it. But imagine once you're in a factory, because you're mainly talking about a factory, we do the fermentation process in that factory. I mean, that was uh, already historically, they did it, especially for the wrappers. Uh, there, we now just, I mean, announced or showed you for the first time to the, to the public. We showed our 
new way of measuring the temperature of the fermentation process. So I suppose like most of your listeners are very experienced, fermentation process of the tobacco is key to make a good cigar. It takes out the ammoniac and things and the bad things out of your tobacco and turns it really more sweet, soft and whatever. So if you, if you don't do it well, you taste it immediately in your cigar. Having fermentation is done, you put your tobacco on a pilong and the temperature naturally, you wet tobacco, you know, you wet it a bit and then the, the temperature automatically starts to raise. And at a certain moment in time, you have to turn that pilong because the temperature would go too high. Hey, I know, I mean, uh, maybe some people don't know it, so that's why I mentioned it. No, no, that's good. There may be a lot of people who don't. Yeah, okay. So the temperature rises, and depending on the tobacco, 110, 115, 120, whatever degrees Fahrenheit, you have to turn the pilong. Okay, in the earlier days, we put a, a thermometer. No? Thermometer. A thermometer, sorry. Hey, but the, the, my Flemish English is always coming back. <laughs> no, no, but a, a thermometer inside. You take it out, you do, I mean, people do a tour of the, the pilong area, they take it out, they say like, oh, it's uh, 95 degrees. Okay, they go to the back of the pilong, they write on the paper, we're today the 18th, it's 11 o'clock in the morning, and temperature is 95. Okay, so then they know we have to keep it for a while because it's not yet ready to turn. So they come back and come back and do these tours every day. But at a certain moment they pass and okay, it's very close to be turned around. Then maybe they have to turn it around or they wait a little bit. But the problem is if you do it too late, you really can screw up your tobacco as well. So it really, it can be burnt and you will have a, a bad taste in your tobacco as well. So it's a crucial process to really, to try to measure it very closely. We thought about it and we said like, look, I mean, how can we make that process easier and, and avoid mistakes? So avoid, let's say, that the quality of your cigar at the end of the day would be worse. So you, you ensure quality. And then we said, like, okay, why not measuring it automatically? You know, I mean, put, put a device inside your pilong that is measuring uh, humidity and temperature and have a Wi-Fi connection uh, with the pilong. And let's say, let that Wi-Fi connection talk to central database and let us see on a screen what the exact temperature is of that pilong at the moment, I mean, at real time. As such, we can put barriers and say like, look, I mean, once it arrives at 105 or 110 or 115, depending on what temperature you want it to arrive before you turn it around, we can send a push message to somebody of the team. So we send an email or an SMS or whatever to the guys. So they know like, hey. Or an Instagram alert. Or an Instagram, if you okay. I mean, uh, we have to work on that one. Thank you for the hint. And, uh, and to say like, hey, I mean, I, I'm pilong number 51. I want to be turned, I mean, as soon as possible. And uh, okay, in the beginning, it was fun. I, I love that little uh, story that it worked. So we did it. We uh, uh, Fidel did a fantastic job there. I mean, to look with a with a company from the U.S. somewhere. I don't remember where exactly, but who developed that app? It's an app that we developed, and uh, and and so who developed that app? So we installed it, and it worked. And it was clear that it worked because at two o'clock at night, <laughs> Pablo and Ernesto they got a message. Ping 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 ping. I am Pilong eighty five, and I want to be turned immediately. So I mean, uh, we of course. I mean, it's not coming into five minutes or one hour. You know, I mean, but. I I mean, it's, it, it was for us, it's, a, it's one of the examples that throughout the factory when you do the tour that we, uh, that we explained you while, uh, while doing the tour and that we, uh, well, we would love to explain to other people as well to show like, look, how technology can make our very, I mean, artisanal, I mean, uh, handmade product 
even better or uh, what we do is i think avoiding mistakes you know i mean yeah. and, and that's 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 something that that's the thing that for me is fantastic i love again to be to taste cigars i mean to to smoke them to to blend to try to see with with the guys what this is but if at the other hand you know we can bring in some some new things some uh, a little evolution let's say it's no revolution but an evolution in our industry i mean that's uh, oh, i'm i'm proud of it you know I would call it smart pilones. Yes, okay. That's what I would call them <laughs> if I was marketing this, this new smart method. Hey, this is Nick interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, Viva La Vida. Brothers Billy and Gus Faki, former owners of the Cigar Inn retail shops in New York City, have put their years of experience serving a broad range of cigar smokers into their new cigar company, Artesano del Tobacco. Their first release, Viva La Vida, is a Nicaraguan puro produced at the A.J. Fernandez factory. Viva La Vida is available in five Vitolas, a 6.5x54 Torpedo, a 6x54 Toro, a 6x60 Gran Toro, a 5x54 Robusto, and a limited edition Diademas Finas, which is a beautifully made Perfecto that's 6.5x52. Prices range from $10.50 for the Robusto up to $14.50 for that limited edition Diademas Finas. The cigars are not only made by A.J. Fernandez, but also distributed by A.J. Fernandez. Viva La Vida cigars are only available in brick and mortar cigar shops, so ask your local retailer for Viva La Vida or look them up at artesanodeltobacco.net. You can also connect with them via their Facebook and Instagram pages at Artesano del Tobacco. That's tobacco in English, Artesano del T-O-B-A-C-C-O. Now back to the interview. What's some of the most exciting stuff for you? Maybe whether it's something we already talked about or not, but when you when you do the tour, what's where do you feel yourself getting most excited in whatever way that might be? Well, I think we touched upon two of the most exciting things. You yeah. know, I mean, one which is the 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 family part of our business, sure. which uh, which uh, shows and proves that we really uh, want to put our uh, uh, our hands or whatever where our uh, tongue is, or but where we really want to show. Like, look, we love. <laughs> what what is that? it again? But it's I know it's a saying that uh, whatever you. You do what you say. Let's say it that way. Put your money yeah. where where your mouth is. Okay, where your mouth is. You know, it was something with mouth. <laughs> <laughs> or your hand. Put your, hand. your <laughs> hand where your tongue is. <laughs> I'm gonna start using that. Okay, uh, we do have to say it, we have had a very long day. <laughs> yeah. And um, okay. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> for those of you who obviously couldn't see that nick was putting his hand in his mouth yeah i'm, I'm gonna start using that in the office i'm just gonna go around tapping my tongue at people <laughs> okay so uh at least we do what we say and uh and so we wanted to so it's for me it's the 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 the, the family mm. stuff is something that i love and then um helping people to um uh, when i see them rolling and i see that they can concentrate purely on the rolling that they really that they have no other stress at all around them than to roll with good tobaccos you know i mean and and this is in in one sentence said what all goes around you know i mean with the with the pilongs and with other things that we do that is just to make sure that people can concentrate. I'm a roller. I have to roll. I only have to roll. You know, I don't have to stress about tobaccos. Tobaccos are there. I don't have to stress about the quality. It is okay. And the same for the people who pack, who do quality control. You know, so and and that's 
Yeah, like I said, taking out little, little, little frustrations that are not, I mean, it, it, it doesn't make the product in C immediately better, but it will surely make your people uh, happier, in my opinion, to work there and let, yeah, let the consistency of the product, I mean, uh, I think it will only do good to the consistency of the product. Yeah. Talk a bit about working with Fidel. In the conversation with him, we discussed the fact that you know he is one of those cases of somebody coming into the cigar world from outside and bringing what ultimately was some very valuable perspective, especially in Nicaragua. And aside from that, I think it also makes a difference that he's working with, with you guys because Jay Cortez has experience, of course, with machine-made cigars, which necessitates dealing with engineers of a different kind i think that the the hand-rolled cigar world has this very sort of like old school mentality that if you told them you were involving wi-fi in the fermentation process yeah, you'd be like, yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out of here. but uh, but talk a bit about that about working with fidel and and uh what that process was like and what he brought to the table there yeah fidel is a fantastic guy i mean it's uh it's amazing indeed what he brought to the company as a whole and when you talked about jose you know i mean it's jose who fired uh, who hired sorry uh <laughs> who hired uh, it was a long day <laughs> who hired fidel so uh at a certain moment yeah i mean the process goes on we acquired oliva jose is ceo and um okay so just to give the listener a little bit maybe sure. the background music <laughs> we are at our at the party where the sales teams is and uh, so you will hear some music maybe in the background but okay so fidel i mean uh, at a certain moment we uh, we acquire oliva uh, jose becomes ceo and he um and he starts to i mean yeah to do the things let's say he wanted to do it and his brother who run the factory in a fantastic way you know i mean was not there anymore so we had to have somebody which was before paul who run the factory but pulled it and finance and run the factory so um he found fidel eh, uh, a cuban as well you know i mm -hmm. mean which is a which had experience outside of the industry as you say and uh, and when fidel came in i have to say that um, uh, in the in the real beginning, uh, Fidel is a person that I mean, a very smart guy, uh, but a real engineer. So if indeed, when you're talking about handmade cigars, it's not that I was not involved in the recruitment process, but I mean, it's a. Uh, when it's about the team here, I mean, I may, I did the, the last chat with him, and and that's more for me about personality and things and blah blah. But when. I discussed it with uh, Jose as well, you know, about the profile, you know, you say like, I mean, is this like the guy we really need in a, in a handmade factory? And he said like, and, and Jose was right, you know, I mean, he said like, everything, let's say the, the part of the, of the passion, the part of the tobacco, the part of the blends, the part of the cigars, that was okay. You know, the cigars were, had a proven track record, let's say it that way. And, uh, but there were some things that maybe could make sure that we could deliver because one of the biggest yep. hiccups when, uh, when, when we acquired Oliva was indeed the delivery of the products. And, um, and that, I think in that sense, the choice for Fidel was a very smart choice. So working with him, Fidel is a, it's a very smart guy and smart guys are very often also quite stubborn. You know? So if, if Fidel says like, it's, uh, it's that way, you know, I mean, to get him off that path, you know, you really have to become with very, very convincing uh, I mean, points. Evidence, you know, yeah. Evidence to really show, like, look, I mean, we have to do it that way. But Fidel uh, very quickly also understood the, the difficulty of handmade cigars. Yeah. 
And, uh, and, and that's something that I have to say that I appreciate a lot, where he, I mean, it's not that he only brings in engineer points, you know, I mean, it are engineer points with respect for the product and, and, and to the core of the product and everything. He loves smoking cigars himself as well. I mean, he loves the, the, the flavor of it and, and, and he knows what he knows, but he also knows what he doesn't know. And, and that combination is fantastic. Yeah. And then to finalize, I mean, it's impressive for me how we... Uh, and now to the people who listen and who smoke Oliva from time to time, uh, the quality was consistent in the last two years. You have to imagine that this was, you know, I mean, after we acquired it, so I was very proud, but while refurbishing a total factory. Yeah. So it's like living in your own house, you know, while you're refurbishing your own house. You can imagine when you have to start cooking your bathroom, you know, I mean, it's not, I mean, maybe you, you don't cook the, the, the same way or with the same quality as you cook in your own kitchen. Right. And, and here we could, we did it very slowly over two years period for a building is like extremely slow, uh, but we did it. Why? Because we wanted to respect for sure, I mean, the, the, the quality of the product. And we did not want that anybody had a feeling like, okay, I mean, something is going on there. So, and that also, you know, I mean, that's also him, you know. So, and that's why I say where he understands the, the product. I hope that's in line with the discussion you had with him. But <laughs> yes, no, very <laughs> much. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, I, I think that that, and, and you're right, it is perhaps the biggest feat that was accomplished was the fact that there was continuity and you never stopped making cigars while, I mean, blowing up and rebuilding a factory. So that, that, uh, that's probably the, the greatest accomplishment uh, when you look at, at what was done here. So hats so off. Let's, uh, let's end on the box factory. Uh, I guess beginning with just broadly describe this box factory and its significance, you know, what, what it took or, or what, what comes out of the factory? And also, what's the significance of having your own box factory to work? Because I think that's one aspect of the process that, again, smokers may not consider, but it does end up affecting them in the end. Talking about engineers, talking about boxes, you know? Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> not the sexiest podcast. But, but we'll always but have hand in tongue. <laughs> no, um, good. When, um, again, the Olivas had a box factory almost, I don't say from the beginning onwards, but they started very, very, very soon when they were still quite small, I mean, making boxes. I think that's the most entrepreneurial part of the whole, uh, of the whole equation or for the whole di discussion. You know, I mean, they decided at a certain point in time to make boxes. I have to say, when I would start up a factory now to make cigars, I don't know if I really would start from zero immediately making my own boxes. Uh, but they did. And, uh, and now at the end of the day, of course, I can be very happy and proud that we have it. So when I arrived, I mean, the box factory was clearly also, I mean, something that started from scratch, uh, almost in a, in a hut. I mean, uh, I it, did have, it had a hut-like feel. Uh, it had a hut-like feel, <laughs> no windows. So, I mean, the dust could fly out, but okay, other things could fly in as well. Hut, hut chic. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and okay, and they already, the Olivas already had the plan to, uh, to build a new fac box factory. They were aware for sure, I mean, that the way they did it then was, I mean, an explosion of what happened in the past and was not the way that it had to happen in the, in the future. So they acquired land. And so when we acquired the company, we also acquired that plot of land and we executed what they wanted to do. 
So what did we do? We, uh, we built a, a box factory, but onto the standards that we wanted to have a box factory. And, uh, and I think a box factory makes boxes, wooden boxes. So you start from wood, eh? from planks. We started before, we started really from trees. And we did cut the, the wood ourselves from the tree. Now we, we buy more cut wood because we felt that this was not our best, I mean, the, the, the best added value we could add to the process. But then afterwards, we, um, we uh, let's say the whole process really goes from that one little, I mean, these little wooden pieces that you make your Melanio box. And if you look to the Melanio box and, and if, I mean, you want to do it at home, you can, you know, but if you see out of how many pieces that box exists, it's really impressive. You know, the inside, the, 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 the fake bottom with the, uh, with the Boveda below, you know, I mean, the, 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 the thing, the carving part where your cigars are put in, uh, the, the, the top, the lid, the, the bottom, everything started just from some wooden planks, you know, so it's quite impressive to, uh, to see that evolution. And then what strikes me the most when I visit it now, eh, because we did the visit like uh, a couple of hours ago together, is that, I mean, we make boxes, so you have a lot of dust, uh, you, you sand it, you cut it, and uh, I don't say you can eat from the ground, but it's amazingly clean. Incredibly clean, yeah. And, uh, and it's wonderful to see, you know, that cleanliness, you know, I mean, in a factory like that, you know, is, is, is quite, uh, and that's Fidel again, you know, I mean, that's clearly his push with his team, with Ernesto, who's, uh, who's leading that factory as well. Uh, they're doing a great job. And, uh, and now, okay, I mean, we, uh, we grew that box factory to, uh, to a decent level of, uh, of boxes a month we can make. Uh, we make ours, I mean, uh, everything for, uh, for Oliva. And, um, but we start to make some special boxes, you know, I mean, uh, I think that when the podcast is out, that the, the, the NUP humidors will be out as well. Oh, we, we actually raffled one off. We, we uh, not raffled, but we did a giveaway for one, uh, la- I think, last month. Ah, wonderful. Yeah, we, had, we were lucky enough to get one of the first ones. Yeah, indeed. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, there's a, there's a happy guy. Yeah, I know some guys. Uh, there's a happy guy loving his, his nubs and his little nub humidor right, so with the little slots for Bova to pack. So it's yeah, beautiful yeah, little humidor. And so that is the first, I mean, uh, something we made over there that was out of the box, let's say, that was not a normal uh, Oliva box. And, um, and then now, I mean, uh, you were there when we, uh, we proved the samples. We will start making our Cortis boxes. We will start making part of it, I mean, uh, over there as well. So... It is, it is, of course, it is an, it is an advantage. It is an, an extra touch uh, that you can make your own box. Uh, I don't think it's necessary to make your own box that makes a good cigar. That's a fact. But, uh, but it, 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 it helps us. And, you know, I mean, I, I, when I look to that factory, I look with different glasses, let's say, than when I look to the cigar factory. But across the line, you know, everything will be of a, as high as possible quality. With respect for the people, because when you visit the, the cleanliness is one thing, but for me a very important part as well is when they paint the boxes, you know, that you really wanted to have a lot of air suction systems in there to have clean air. So then when the people were there that they really do it in a, in a, in a kind of healthy environment, as healthy as a painting environment can be. But it's on American standards, it's on European standards more than it is really on local standards. Well, one thing uh, to, to touch on is that Although making boxes uh, and having your own box factory does not make the cigars better, that we know, it does make it uh, less likely that you're going to have back orders due to boxes. Because when you, have, when you buy your boxes from a third party, 
uh, some many times. Uh, there's many other companies that are also making boxes there, and so sometimes your backorder problem uh, can can be made worse or or uh, by not having your own boxes. So so that that is uh, it, it doesn't make the cigars better, but it does make it easier for us to get it into your hands. That's correct. No, that's uh, well, really I, I, well. I just said us as if I was the one. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, happy to see you as a member of the family. <laughs> you just want to have a second nub humidor for yeah, three yeah, years. Yeah, that's <laughs> all. I'm just I'm just angling for another nub humidor. <laughs> We're gonna, uh, so yeah, we have a party going on downstairs. Yes. So uh, is there anything we didn't touch on that you want to make sure we get into? Yeah, one thing. Uh, because when I thought about the boxes and the supply, uh, what we did invest a lot in that you didn't see uh, today is in, uh, is in stock. So, uh, of boxes. Eh? We, uh, we made during a couple of months much more boxes than we needed uh, to have an, a security of supply of, uh, of boxes. But we did invest a lot of money the last years in tobacco and in cigars. And... Uh, I wanted to make it is like it is and it will never change you know I mean when tobacco is not ready to be put in your cigar we will not put it in the cigar when a cigar did not have the time to rest I mean after making it we will not pack it uh, but it's so sad to not be able to pack it when you know that you can sell it so and that is something I have to say I underestimated that on the beginning from uh, a financial perspective let's say it that way but I did it with uh, with pleasure and we were able to do it so I was happy that we could invest really a lot of money in cigars yeah. laying there ready to be packed and if they have to wait another month I mean we can do that it's not an issue you know and and the the, the stress sometimes you have stress on production because of sales demanding something I think that uh, now I mean, I think we can turn the page of uh, of, of this year and, and, and look. I mean, look look ahead to the future. That's really a stress that that we won't have. Uh, that's touching wood, but I mean that we try to do everything not to have in the future, and it's something that you you don't see. You know yep. what I mean? But uh, yeah, yeah. I felt it. <laughs> Good stuff. So yeah, with that, uh, we'll just do our shameless plugging. Uh, you want to let people know where they can find Oliva online and maybe any other things that you want to... Little J. Cortez, Fred Cortez, uh, Cortez Fred on Instagram. Correct. Or Oliva Cigar on Instagram. Yeah. And, uh, and you can find our cigar, at, first of all, I mean, in a, in the, I mean, across the country, but more and more across the blo- globe. I mean, the good shops where you can find cigars and, uh, and sometimes online as well, sure. Good stuff. So, finally, our shamelessness. You can find us at cigarsnobmag.com slash podcast. All the episodes are there. Subscribe to the magazine, 18 bucks for the year. That's six issues for the year. Uh, Cigar Snob Mag on all the social media things. Uh, listen to the podcast wherever you listen to podcast things. Give us five stars. But say whatever you'd like. Say nasty things and give us five stars in your <laughs> review. Um, and send feedback to feedback at cigarsnobmag.com. Let us know how it went for you when you started touching your tongue at people. All right. (laughs) Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you.